Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. It's all funny cars all the time with the two newest drivers in the class, Daniel Wilkerson and Austin Proc. And there goes Gage Herrera. Vinny, Vini, Vici. He came, he saw, he conquered. High energy guys getting the break of a lifetime to get in the cockpit of a funny car. Chad Green's out first by a bunch. They get to the finish line, stripe, and it's Chad Green. 391.6 on a whole shot. A 33 line. This is the NHRA Insider. Into the night they go, and the wind light comes off for Dakota! 367-3, 334 miles an hour. Hey everybody, it's Brian Loans here with the NHRA Insider Podcast. It has been and continues to be a wild off-season of news breaking all over the place, as we talked about, and maybe some of you didn't believe me. This thing was going to be coming in multiple waves, and it did. We had the early wave, and now we are in the second wave. And, of course, our guests today are part of that second wave of big breaking news from the NHRA, both of which are in the funny car category, both of which are going to be racing and being tuned by their dads, and both of which are high-energy, entertaining uh, faces and personalities and people that are going to bring not only talent, but they're going to bring a level of entertainment to Nitro Funny Car that uh, – Hey, it's never been lacking. We have big personalities in there, but these two guys are going to like, this is like the sixth stage of the clutch or the, the sixth disc of the clutch locking up in the in the clutch can with these two guys coming in. Of course, I'm talking about Dan Wilkerson, and I'm talking about Austin Prock. Dan Wilkerson going to be the first guest on this show, Austin Prock the second. And for Dan Wilkerson, um, the circumstances of him getting in the funny car, same as the circumstances of Austin Prock, came at at a surprise at a surprise level. Um, I think we're going to find out a lot about Austin Proc's situation, what, you know, his timeline of learning about what he was going to be doing for Robert Height. Um, it should be mentioned, if you do not know the whole story, if you're just getting this information now, Robert Height is going to sit out of the 2024 NHRA Mission Foods Drag Racing Series season. He has some medical stuff to take care of. Uh, my understanding is that uh, this is stuff that needs some recovery time. And so because of that, it's not something he would get, you know, handled and then be right back in the race car. So it would cause him to be um, ineligible, if you will, just due to the number of races he'd be able to run for a championship type of situation. So it made sense to put Austin Proc in the car for the 2024 season. Robert has not retired. Robert is not retiring. Robert will be back in a Nitro Funny Car. I just want to make sure that everybody understands that and that that part of the story is abundantly clear. The second half of this story, which we didn't talk much about here in the Insider, and it wasn't for necessarily ignoring it on purpose, it was just kept getting kind of blown away by other big news, was that Rocky Mountain Twist and Montana brands have ended their association with drag racing. They're no longer going to be sponsoring, or were no longer going to be sponsoring the top field team of Austin Proc, which left him in a tough spot. So this opportunity comes to him, certainly not in the way he would have drawn, drawn it up for his own team, and he knows has, knows has known Robert for the majority of his life. He does not want to see Robert have any sort of a, a struggle, if you will, or any sort of a setback. But this is the situation that he's in. This is the hand he's dealt, and so he is going to be climbing in to that Chevrolet Camaro funny car, and it will be tuned by his dad and brother, as Dan Wilkerson's car will be tuned by Tim, and they'll get things going this season. Now, I will tell you this. We're not done with big news yet. 
and I'm going to tease it hard, but there is a big, big hunk of news coming out of the pro stock motorcycle category. And my understanding is, as I make this show on a Wednesday, I make the show on, uh, let's see, Wednesday, January 17th, about one week from now, we're going to be having a conversation about a big story that will break, will be coming in the pro stock motorcycle category. You can put your thinking caps on for this one, but it's going to be a tough one, in my opinion, for anybody to guess, anybody that's not really deep down inside the uh, catacombs of the sport, so to speak. Um you know, some other news that's come across uh, over the last couple of weeks, uh, looking at that schedule, it does appear that Flying H Drag Strip going to be open, going to be functioning. I do not believe we're going to be running a national event there in 2024. I would expect to see us there in 2025. I think the logic chain there, um, you know, makes some sense in that brand new facility. Uh, we would be coming in there f- several months after they open and it is always good to allow a brand new facility, whether it's a brand new restaurant or a brand new drag strip or a brand new barking dog in the background, some time, some time to get their processes, procedures, their workflows all figured out. And so by the time we roll back through there in 25, there'll be a well-oiled machine. Not to say they won't be coming out of the gate, but it's a lot to take a brand new racetrack and shove a massive national event inside it. They have big, huge events coming on their calendar. They will be running the big double, you know, regional race that happens out there uh, in Division 5. So it's going to be a very busy year for Flying H. That leaves the question, where are we going? What track are we going to in the to-be-announced slot? And the answer is, I don't know. I know somebody knows, but they just haven't told me yet. And when I hear, I'll tell you. We might all learn that at the same time. So it's kind of a fun little piece of intrigue that's still left on our 2024 Mission Foods Drag Racing Series calendar. Um, Along inside everything else, um, you have Joe Serena and uh, Dean Marinas have been named as the, I guess, co-crew chiefs, we're going to call them, on Chad Green's car. Um, We're going to talk to Dan Wilkerson about that and about his relationship with them and and how that continues or what changes now that he is a full-time skag at Nitro Funny Car Driver. So that was kind of good news there. And, you know, just really kind of keeping the pulse around the, um, you know, greater Brownsburg area. Some other rumor mill stuff, which is positive, is that we're hearing anyway that Trip Tatum is planning on coming to Gainesville and racing. It's been a while since we've seen Trip. Of course, he recorded that very memorable uh, Gator Nationals win a couple of years ago. He'll be back out, again, my understanding. And the other side of this is we've talked a lot about top fuel cars and how many top fuel cars we're going to have. And so if we see Austin Proc making the switch over to Funny Car, that's one less full-time car, right? Wrong. From what we're hearing anyway, uh, that there is a red and black and white top fuel dragster that we see on occasion that runs very well, that is gearing up to run, if not every single race this season, the vast majority of them. So we may be an even trade on Funny Car pickup and or loss with Austin Proc moving into the funny car it does appear that there is a very good team a very good car a very seasoned driver that will be making a very very high volume run in 2024 more so than we've seen out of the team the car and the driver over the last several years all that's great news uh in the pro stock realm Hearing that um, Sienna Wildgust is making uh, progress in her licensing and to become the next uh, young pro stock rookie. And, you know, Daniel Wilkerson is a guy who's going to be in that rookie of the year hunt as well. 
Uh, he's never run more races in a season to disqualify himself from that status. So I think he's run four races in a year is the most he's ever done. So the reality is uh, he will be in that class of 2024 rookie uh, mix, which is growing by the minute, it seems, with Tony Stewart, of course, in there as well, among other notables. So that's kind of what I got for you right now. A little bit of uh, tease there, some some big-time stuff coming next week in the world of Pro Stock Motorcycle. Stay tuned for that. But now stay tuned for our first guest, Daniel Wilkerson. Going to be diving into conversation with him right after this. All right, we are back here in this episode of the NHRA Insider with the guy who scared Robert Height out of Nitro Funny Car. This is unbelievable. Dan Wilkerson, what's going on, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That, that, that's, uh, that was some pretty shocking news, man. I'm, that, I saw that right before you just told me, I guess. It's, it's kind of wild. So, um, obviously, you know, this, this offseason has been full of big news, and, and your, your news is kind of on the second wave of this thing. And um, the announcement, of course, that you're going to be taking over the seat of the, of the Skag Power Equipment Ford Mustang, formerly driven by your dad. And this is a big moment, not only for you, but really um, for your whole family, man. This is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Um, kind of like rolling in the finals uh, at Pomona, right? <laughs> I mean, this is stuff we talked about at dinner. Never really thought it would actually happen. I mean, we've been, we've been dreaming about him tuning in and me driving for probably 20 years now. So to get it done, let's have, to let, have Skag power equipment give us this opportunity. It's it's really unbelievable, but we're here, so I guess I better believe it. I guess you better. And, you know, I want to talk about a couple of different things here. And the first thing I want to talk about is, um, you know, making this transition into the seat. You've driven these cars. You've been out there. You have about a dozen or so races under your belt. You will be eligible for Rookie of the Year because you've not breached the number that, that would make you ineligible over the time you've driven. Um, I guess what are the things you're looking most forward to now that you get to put down the wrenches and pick up the wheel? I don't know. That's a, I mean, besides going three and three miles an hour yeah, right. weekend. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, working, working a little closer with Tim is going to be exciting. He's my buddy, and uh, I got to work with him a little when I worked on Chad's car, but uh, to get to work hand-in-hand with him now will be pretty cool. Um, uh, you know, getting a drive a race car, that's hard to top. That's that's a hard thing to not put yeah. at the very top of the list. Uh, and, you know, maybe helping uh, work on the thing with Tim a little bit. Uh, actually... Providing feedback and yeah. uh, being able to, if he tells me no, that's not what you felt, you know, a little learning too. Yeah, no, I think that there's a lot of different elements there. And, you know, I think one of the things that um, I, I'm pretty f- fascinated about and, and excited to watch really what's going to be an exciting year in Funny Car is the fact that you're getting in a good race car. This is not a situation where it's like, oh, cool, Dan gets to drive, but this car runs 410 to 420. Uh, you're getting in a rip-ass, like, fast-ass race car right now, and, and I think that's what makes this story even that much more exciting. People have expectations, yourself included, that this car is going to be competitive out of the gate. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I wouldn't go if I didn't think we could win the whole thing, right? Uh, that's I, I've raced as a hobby before, yeah. and that's fine, but if you're going to turn your whole life upside down and go racing for a living it'd be stupid to go if you didn't think you could win a world championship so uh i have i've aspirations of that of course uh and a handful of race wins uh wouldn't wouldn't be too bad either no absolutely not this is another part of the transition that i think is is going to be when i get to talk to you again let's talk it uh let's call maybe mid-season you know you now become not just a guy who goes back and has the intensity of tuning a race car on your shoulders. Now you have a different type of intensity. You have 
the meet and greets with fans. You have now this like public forward facing deal that's really different than being a crew chief. How much of that are you looking forward to? Because you really now are the face of Skag Power Equipment in the NHRA. I'm actually, you know, I've told people before when I was working on Chad's car, no one as a little kid grows up and says, I want to buy parts for a race car team. That would be really fun. <laughs> but I actually found that to be super fun. Right? I mean, I was like, I, you know, organizing everything and, uh, you know, calling vendors and stuff. I thought that was, I mean, I, I had a good time with that. Um, but people are my favorite part of the sport, right? So dealing with fans, dealing with distributors and dealers with Skag, uh, I'm super excited about that. I, I, I love, I think the, the reason I love order parts was because I get to call people, right? I right. mean, it's not just because I like parts. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, you know, working with more people is, that's, uh, that's kind of part of the, part of my, part of my deal. That's, it's really exciting for me. You know, listen, one of the parts of your persona that people really uh, are attached to and enjoy is the energy. And, and honestly, I can feel the energy coming through the other end of the phone right now as I'm talking to you. Um, how much of that needs to be, I'm not going to say managed, but how much of that now needs to be kind of compartmentalized? Whereas, you know, when you're in this race car, that idea of of keeping yourself at a level and some people like to race all amped up, but some people like to race in a more conservative state mentally. How do you kind of prepare yourself in the race car? Oh, I 100% have to compartmentalize it. Um, I race best when I kind of zen out. Um, I used to tell people that would say, well, you know, I listen to, I listen to some hard dreams right before getting into the tune myself up. It's like, I mean, if you need to jazz yourself up before getting in this race car, you should probably just let me drive the thing. Like, there's, <laughs> there's nothing cooler than this. If it don't get you up on the wheel, I don't know what will. So yes, I have to do the opposite. I have to, uh, I don't know, I know meditate is the right word, but it kind of is. Like, yeah. I, I have to zen out a little bit. I get in there and kind of close my eyes, take some deep breaths, and uh, I just kind of cool myself down. But it, it's worked in the past, so uh, that will be a strategy going forward. You know, I think the way that uh, your dad has raced and, and what you've learned from him, what you applied on Chad Green's car um, – you know, we tend to see a car, whether it's your dad's car or it's or it's when you were tuning Chad's car, uh, that that doesn't unnecessarily use up parts, right? That's not out there just eating itself alive. And it, and these things happen in this form of racing. We all know that, but it's not a a situation where you're being egregious with that. Talk to me about now placing yourself in the driver's seat because it's one thing, you know, it's one thing when you know Chad Green's fun in the team and and he blows the rods out of the thing. Well, that's you know that's Chad's deal. Um, now you get to be the guy who's making that split second decision behind the wheel. Translate that from crew chief mode to driver mode, and and is there a connection there? I there there is a deep connection there, and I can tell you that uh, we were starting with Chad a couple of times, like right in the lights, and things started spinning the tires, and he just held his foot in the floor, and I was like, bro, if you keep doing that, we're gonna blow body off this thing. Like you gotta you gotta stop doing that. So, first round last year, he hurt himself, right? And it, I got to drive at St. Louis. Yeah. And last year, I guess, as you before at this point. But, so the thing I'm racing caps, and at like 700 feet, the thing starts spinning the tires. And I'm holding my foot on the floor, and I'm like, dude, you are constantly yelling at him <laughs> about this. But I'm just holding my, I still don't see cap, right? So I'm holding my foot on the floor. I'm like, all right, let's see what happened here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now I get it. I, but the correlation is deep, man. Uh, yeah. And, well, I called. I called Chad immediately, and I said, "Hey, I got to take uh, some of those lashings back, dude. Sorry, I, I can definitely see why <laughs> the, the, the need to hold your phone before is there. We don't see anybody next to you." 
But uh, if I'd have said that to Tim, I would have got it beaten. So we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about that with Tim. <laughs> and and you know, my understanding is in in your you know professional life before this became again for you a full time deal. Um, accounting right a cpa is that is that what your kind of normal you know normal day-to-day life training has been as a cpa right uh so i never actually became a cpa but i was an accountant at a cpa firm so i've learned to see that so people don't go but (laughs) but uh yeah uh my my day-to-day for 10 years was accounting i did audits and taxes and uh, a little bit of bookkeeping but that that doesn't really prepare you for this in the in the sense of your weekend stuff. Right. Right. But during the week, uh, I mean, I, with Chad, I, there's, like I said, working with vendors, yeah. working with bills, uh, the organization needs to be there or else this thing falls apart super fast. Yeah. And we've seen so, it. I mean, we've all seen that happen. Of It looks like on the surface, somebody's got a pretty good operation going and you find out that basically everything on the backside of it's a disaster and you can almost start counting the days until, until the, the fold comes. So I totally respect that over the course of that 10 year period. How many times, if ever, did you say, you know what? It's been great. I've had a great experience in drag racing, but I guess this is kind of where the road ends for me. Or uh, I've accomplished what I want to accomplish. Did you do that to yourself? Because I think we've all maybe done that over the course of our lives, where you kind of like convince yourself you're okay with how you know stuff ended, so to speak. Because this is a big deal, and I'm not sure you ever had this back in your back of your mind. So <clears throat> I think a lot of people listening to this podcast are race fans, right? We don't sure. have. I don't think we're going to have a lot of like green people. So for, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, probably every year for five years, I was positive I was going to go racing. I mean, sign here, it's a done deal. We're going to have two-car team next year, it's done. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, as you know, five out of those five years, I got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect score. Yeah. Yes. I was was over however many. So when, you know, you, you can only take that so many times uh, yeah. before you kind of condition yourself to go, well, I'll believe it when I'm when I'm sitting in the seat. And that's kind of what happened here. I, I never really gave up, Yeah, but it was always, I'll believe it when we're there, right? The Chad deal was, I mean, that was life-changing. I quit my job to go race with Chad. Um, and as, I mean, to be honest, that could have, like you said, not resolved myself, but that could have been it. I was having a blast doing that. Yeah. You were, so you were satisfied, is, if you will. Like you, if if no, if nothing else ever happened, you had found a good spot for yourself. You got it. And but again, this thing now, this is the dream. It's come full circle. Um, <laughs> it's almost a, it's a little emotional. I, it, I, I didn't give up on it, but it certainly didn't seem like it was going to be a reality. Yeah. No, I mean, and it's it's country, a it's it's insane. Yeah, and and you know that um, that idea of of kind of like you said, kind of bracing yourself or conditioning yourself to what could or couldn't happen. We had a similar conversation with some guests last week on the show, and it's to me, it's a it's one of those neat pieces of a story that a lot of people have in common, where it's like just when you think, just when you think you've kind of made it to the end of the road, all of a sudden the the, the road extends itself in front of you for for reasons that are great, and this is this is hard work and dedication being rewarded. Um, you know, my understanding is there were some rumors middle of the year last year that this was going to happen, right? And then all of a sudden, those rumors went away. And then all of a sudden, you're back in the seat. So did you live an even microscopic version of what we're talking about over a long period of time, over the last, like, six months? 
Yeah, again, uh, fool me once, fool me five times, uh, right? <laughs> so when, when those rumors start percolating in the middle of the year, actually it's super funny because, first off, I had guys coming to me telling me that, and I was like, well, I've never, I haven't heard that. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure that I'm not where you're getting your facts from, but, uh, yeah, I haven't heard that, so I don't think we're doing that. So then, finally, I, in that time, I said, hey, Tim, why, why do I keep hearing this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I want to do it. Oh, okay, well, that's cool. So, but then again, Tim has been running his own deal for so long, right, that he, if he wants to do something, he just does it. Yeah. And I think he kind of got ahead of himself. Yeah, sure. No, that makes <laughs> sense. Season. But this program is going to be better off this way. Uh, I know it, it hurts to say because I've loved watching Tim drive for as long as he's drove. But again, when he drove his car for all those years, he kind of got to do his own deal. Um, Mr. Levi, we were very fortunate that the any vendor action was kind of in the winter. Yeah. I mean, he would do a couple of trade shows in the winter. Uh, but with this program, we'd be right out there with the dealers every weekend, the yeah. dealers and distributors every weekend. And there were times that Tim really needed to be with them that he couldn't. I mean, he was working on stuff. So this program coming around to where I can actually go and hang out with dealers, customers, distributors, is it's going to take it to the next level. So... Yeah, and look, I, it's one of those. That's all came to be in the end. Yeah, and to me, it's it's always one of those things where, you know, we all for so many years have marveled at the fact of what your dad has done, right? We look at it and it's like, how does this guy manage this? Because of the we know and understand if you're in the sport, the intense pressure that is on a single person doing a single job, let alone one person doing multiple jobs. And listen, Richard Hartman. Um, Richard Hartman was the best thing that ever happened to your dad, I think, in a lot of ways, right? I mean, those guys, when they actually got together several years ago, uh, I think that was one of the most fantastic additions he ever made to his team. Now I look at it, and I see a Richard Hartman character, and I see your father being able to step back for a second, and just what you talked about, removing some of the noise, removing some of the load, you know, I don't understand or I don't see how any fan that has any brain in their head couldn't look at your dad and say, this guy with the shackles off should be like a top five crew chief. I certainly think so. I mean, he was he was six last year, right? So he yeah. was he was pretty there with with the extra hat. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we can get one of the hats off of him. We could be right up there. You guys always talked about the big four all year, so maybe we can make it the big five or six. And listen, that's what the class needs. I think we can all agree with that. Um, you know, we as much as I have respect, and you cannot not respect a Ron Caps, Matt Hagen. Uh, obviously, Robert Height's going to be out this season uh, with was Austin, Austin Proc getting in that car. Um, but we do need this idea of five or six contending cars, so we're not just talking about the same four guys as impressive as they are. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think we had a, we had a pretty good sprinkle this year. Um, like Chad's car, I, were we third at some point? I think at some point we were third. So we had we had good cars. We just yeah. didn't have the consistency. And I I think, like you said, uh, I think a couple moves being made out there. We're gonna have we're gonna have six or seven good cars all year long. And that's not to say. I mean, I think we have twelve good cars. Yes, no, I agree. I, I think we have, yeah, I think we have twelve cars that could win any race. But um, when you get four that win the first. Twelve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It kind of it kind of lops over one one way. 
So I think if we can continue where we left off last year, this is going to be a badass class. So the team that you are, you know, not totally separating yourself from, obviously Chad Green's team, uh, that car now will go into the hands of Dean Marinas and Joe. Uh, talk to me a little bit about those two guys and, and what uh, and what Chad Green is, is getting in return for your departure. I told those guys, and I mean it very sincerely, that I would not – I would not have left if I didn't think that I could be filled in with someone uh, as good or better. So Joe and Dean and I have worked very close to each other all year long. Okay. And uh, not to say, I mean, I, I would go to them for advice sometimes. Like, hey, what do you guys think about this? Well, I'm going to try to make this move. And towards the end of the year, I was almost, I almost transitioned into like, a coaching role like hey this is what I'm doing and here's why yeah and I didn't really tell them why <laughs> right <laughs> because some of those percolating rumors started to get like they were maybe going to become a little more true so we we really worked hand in hand hand in hand together uh, a lot and I mean we call in pretty damn good so yeah, those look. guys are going to be in really good shape next year yeah. and I'm I'm proud of what we put together, and I'm I'm proud the way I, I left it, so to speak. Yeah, and I think that speaks. That's that's one of the biggest things um, to me when I look at at how this this kind of shift and and transitions happening. It is so rare in this sport that we see a guy in your position be able to make this move, and there is not a wake of destruction behind him, or there's not a wake of people with the pitchforks and the torches out that oh, this guy you know abandoned us. This guy left everything in a shambles. I've not heard one word of that from anybody. Um, and I think that speaks to your character, and and I'm not just saying that to say it. I think it is an important thing to realize that there is no animosity, there's no anger there, and to your point, you've been able to coach two very smart guys. Joe's what a decade plus of experience. Marinas is a guy who's just very mechanically sound. The guy's won in every sort of race car he's ever been in, so he can learn, um, and, and that's a big deal. And I I have to believe at some point it's probably a point of pride for you as well. Yeah, it is. It sure is, and I'll be. Going forward, I'll be even more proud when they continue where they pick up right where we left off. It's going to be badass. So let's talk about uh, kind of getting yourself back in into race mode. What are the things when we talk about a driver? You know, Tony Pedregon talks a lot about like the first fifteen or twenty laps of a season are really a, a an adjustment period, even for the most seasoned of racers. Are you giving yourself even that many runs? I mean, what is your personal expectation of getting in that race car and being able to uh, to tear some throats up? <laughs> Uh, I, to put it in perspective, I probably have never made 15 runs in one season my entire life. Right, right. <laughs> so I used to tell, I used to tell people it takes me four runs to get kind of kind of back where I left off. So I think by Gainesville, <laughs> I, should yeah. be, I should be should be pretty good to go. Um, I mean, I'm I, I'm not saying that I'm some super driver yet, but. Uh, I, I wasn't terrible. So picking up where I left off, I think, is going to be an excellent start, and I foresee improvement from there. Like when I drove my alcohol car, uh, I I would get better as the season went on, yeah. you know. Uh, but I think if I can pick up where I left off, I think I had a 60-some light against Caps in, at St. Louis last time I raced in a race, and uh, even though I – did drive the thing and it was spin the tires like I told somebody else not to do. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a terrible showing. We didn't look like the food. So I think uh, I think we got something for him. 
No, that's great. And and the last question I have for you is, um, you know, you mentioned the fact that, you know, kind of dinner table conversation where it's like, ah, someday it'd be great to race you in a final or someday be great to race with you as a crew chief and me as the driver. You know, you mentioned having these conversations with Chad about, you know, hey, man, you got to take your foot off the gas. These are ultimately conversations you're going to have with your dad. What does that do with the relationship? How does that work? Is that something that you guys have have kind of been conditioned to anyway over your time in the sport? Talk to me about that. Uh, him and I are pretty good at uh, compartmentalizing is a good is a good word, but uh, you know I'm I'm better with stories than just trying to explain something. So I'll tell you a good, so I'll tell you a good story. So we raced this IHRA race a long time ago in Milan. I was driving; he's two. Okay. The thing smokes tires first round, and uh, Peanut actually crossed the center line for me, so we got to go second round. Okay. Second round, we went like 88 or something. We were one foul from backing up our qualifying effort for, to have the IHRA national record. Okay. Okay, so this thing's running badass. I'm cutting pretty decent lights. Go to the finals, and Tim's got this little blower he wants to test. I'm like, why are we testing a blower in the finals? He said, well, this is just a – we're exercising here. That's We're not trying to win an IHRA world championship. We're, we're kind of testing my car, and you're just lucky enough to drive it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Well. <laughs> So we roll up there, and uh, actually Paul Lee spanks us in the finals of the thing. The thing goes like 5'10", we're in quarter mile then. <laughs> so I come back, and I'm like, well, that was great. Good job, old man. And he goes, what about this? He, I had like a 110 light. Huh. And he's like, what's up with that? <laughs> I said, what's up with that? <laughs> we didn't have a chance. What are you <laughs> <laughs> So we, uh, I told you that story just to say this. So we were mad at each other for about 15 minutes. But then after that, I mean, we drove home. We, it's all good. So... I think, uh, like I said, he's my buddy. So yeah. I think one of the testaments of buddies is that you can get in a fight. Yeah. And you can say, hey, man, no way, you're wrong. And you can butt heads for 10 minutes and 15 minutes later, you're good to go. So is it is it fair to say, and I mean this in a positive way, is it fair to say that, you know, when the, when the, the, the car rolls through the gate on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday morning, it goes from necess- not necessarily being – uh, dad and son to more literally Tim and Dan at that point. Is there is there a Tim and Dan at the racetrack, and then is there a you know dad and son outside the racetrack? You know, I uh, I don't really think so. I okay. think it, honestly, honest to God, it'll yeah. be it'll be uh, dad and son. Yeah, and then probably about five minutes after we run, it'll be Tim and Dan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it makes sense. And go right back. <laughs> And look, I, I think we've seen that over the years with, with successful family operations out here that those that communicate, even when it's the tough communication, are the ones that ultimately are very, very, very very tight together. And you guys have been doing this for such a long time, and this will be the most the most tight you've ever been. This will be the, the most races, the most runs you've made. And um, listen, I think you got a fighting chance for Rookie of the Year, and, and you got to look at the class of Rookie of the Year potentials you're in right now, including some guy named Tony Stewart. How cool is that? Yeah, I was, uh, I don't remember how I, I think most of the stuff comes to me like in the middle of the night. I just sit up and I think of random crap all the time. And I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm eligible for rookie. You're going to be awesome. And I laid my little head back down on my pillow and about three minutes later I went, gosh, don't do it for No way. So then I woke up and I thought, you know what, that would be even cooler if we win the thing because then we can say we put Tony Stewart in the, in the second for rookie of the year. Yeah. But, I mean, what I thought about it too, it's like, what class do you want to be in, though? I mean, do I want to be against Justin Ashley for a career? No, not really. You got, you got, 
Robert Height, uh, Ashley Forrest, Courtney Fortnick. No, yeah. I don't think I would have been in those classes either. So it's 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 been a tough road for any rookie of the year. So I'm but I'm I'm stoked. I'm mean, I'm excited to see how it pans out. Well, man, it's uh, it's always great to catch up with you. I am sincerely excited to watch you race the Skag Power Equipment Mustang this year, and um, I'm I'm excited because you're the type of guy that's going to kind of share this trip with us, and and that's what I think is going to be cool. I, I, you know, you're known for very high energy, you know, starting line interviews and stuff like that, and and it's never contrived. Um, that's one of the things I think. One of the other reasons I think people are genuinely excited for you is because you are genuinely excited about this sport, and. Um, it's going to be a trip, dude. I can't wait to catch up with you at certain points through the year and, and uh, kind of kind of keep tabs on how things are going. Awesome, man. Yeah, I can't wait either. It's going to be awesome. Uh, uh, you know, hopefully we get to catch up after Gainesville. I, I, I'd like to win the first one. So, Like Jason Lino always said, you can't run off. You don't win the first one, right? I have just written that down. So it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. He's Dan Wilkerson, and I'll be back in just a minute with our second guest, Austin Prock, on this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. All right, we are back with our second guest in this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. He is a guy who has led the headlines this week. Early breaking news from the week is that Robert Height is stepping away from the race car for this season, and Austin Prock is climbing in to that Chevrolet Camaro. Austin, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, this is a this is a big deal for me, a dream come true, and uh, I'm at the shop right now. We're getting everything dialed in, and uh, excited to stand on the gas in a couple weeks. You have been, I think, over the course of your career, like the cardiac kid of, of last-minute big-time stuff, right? Even, <laughs> I mean, even your first season, it was like it, right up to the last second. It's like you guys were putting the decals on the cars. You were towing it out to Phoenix, I think, at that point. So uh, let's talk a little about that. I mean, uh, you're one of the few guys who probably looks at the offseason and says, what the hell's going to happen next? Yeah, yeah. Every offseason, it, it's a little nerve-wracking for me. It, we get close to closing the season out, and uh, – you know, my brain's always going, you know, what's going to happen, what's going to happen next, and uh, it's always seemed to work out for the most <laughs> part, so, uh, you know, I'm just lucky to be at John Force Racing, and, uh, you know, being that the, the spot that I am in my career, um, you know, this is a, uh, out of all the surprises, um, you know, it's uh, it's a little bittersweet, you know, with, uh, you know, seeing Robert have to stay, step away for health reasons, but uh, this is a dream come true for me, you know. Uh, I've always wanted to race for my dad and uh, to top it off, my brother's the assistant crew chief and this is just an outstanding race car and team and uh, I'm really chomping at the bit to get going. You know, I think a lot of people are going to ask you and they probably have asked you about the adjustment to driving a funny car and this and that and not that I don't care about that but but here's the thing, you're a race car driver and a proven commodity so I don't I don't foresee many issues there but one of the things I do want to talk to you about is um, we go back to the awards, right? The car you're getting into finishes second in the points. Uh, you finished eighth in top fuel, attempted, uh, masterfully attempted a, a cartwheel across the stage uh, that <laughs> evening. Is it fair to say that the gymnastics career is over now in terms of the attitude and approach to this car? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, you know, I've always had, uh, I've always been blessed to race with great people. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've had great teams surround me and great crew chiefs. Um, but you know, it's always been a last minute deal thrown together and, uh, to, uh, it was new crew chiefs every year we went out there, you know? Um, so it was a lot of work to get things going, but, uh, you know, this is a proven race car and not to say I didn't take the other rate, uh, oh, the top fuel cars seriously, but, uh, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. Um, you know, this is a arguably one of the, if not the best yeah. funny car in the past decade and, uh, I'm a young kid getting a shot to drive it. So uh, 
yeah, it's all business. And, um, you know, hopefully uh, a little bit of my dad's attitude rubs off on me working uh, side <laughs> by side with him. Uh, all game face and uh, hopefully we can hurt some feeling. Yeah, and I think I think that's the thing that is most fascinating about this situation to me is that uh, just what you talked about, the continuity of, of the cars you were in, obviously it changed year over year, but you won races, you were a factor, um, you guys went on that great late season run a couple of years ago. This is a totally different thing. I mean, to get in this car with the expectations being what they are, is this for you an, the, the golden opportunity to kind of validate who you are as a race car driver? I believe so. I think this is really a, a year to prove myself. You know, um, I'm hopping in a uh, different form of race car, you know, so uh, hopefully I can showcase my talents a little bit more behind the wheel. And, uh, you know, we're going to have the race car there uh, to back it up. So um, if all goes well, I think uh, we could honestly make a championship run at things, but we got a lot of work to cut out, you know. Um, you know, you know, from me learning to drive these race cars, learning the competition, um, you know, and then on top of it, uh, the weight distribution of the race car. Yeah. You know, me and Robert are, are pretty different sizes, and uh, hopefully um, we can get all that dialed in quick. But, uh, you know, from a race car standpoint, like me and my brother were talking last night, this race car is in a, uh, you know, tenfold better spot than it was at this time last year. You know, yeah. they were going into a season with um, – you know, pretty much a whole new setup. Uh, Thomas was a rookie as an assistant crew chief. He had a lot to learn, you know, and, and him and my dad had to learn to work together. Well, this year we're rolling in there and the thing's a proven race car. It was, uh, you know, one of the best funny cars in the category for a majority of the year. Yeah. And uh, we're going to pick up where we left off and just try and tickle this thing, um, try and find an advantage here and there and, uh, you know, see how the cards fall. But, uh, I really believe in this team. I, I'm already having a blast working with all of them. Um, one of the guys off my car uh, got to come over here with me, and, uh, you know, so it feels a little bit at home, and I've worked with a lot of these crew members as well. So uh, I'm fitting right in, and, uh, man, I'm excited. Patrick and I were talking, and I guessed a 50-pound differential between you guys, and he was guessing maybe 60. Is it somewhere in that range between your weight and Robert's weight, just for the functionality yeah. of the race car? Yeah, that's a close. That's a close pick. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not a hundred percent sure, but we have a we have a rough estimate. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I fluctuate up and down five or sure. you know three or five pounds here and there. Um, you know, and, and you know we're all human. Robert did oh, as well. So uh, yeah. we'll just have to get it to the racetrack, get it all bolted together, get all my gear on. I'll be a little bit heavier with some funny car boots on, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll just see how it goes. Hopefully, it's got some traction leaving. So, you know, when we talk about the three of you guys working together, meaning you, uh, your dad, and, and Thomas, what is the, what is, how would you best describe the dynamic on a normal, on a normal family outing, let's say? What is the dynamic between the three of you guys? Who's the energy guy, which I'm guessing is you? Um, and how does this work in a, you know, a racing environment? You know, it, it's kind of funny how all this has worked out growing up. Um, you know, we've all obviously made a career out of racing, but, we all have kind of have our own, uh, knack in the industry. You know, uh, my, my dad, he's just, uh, he's self-taught, uh, bad mofo, you know, yes. uh, been around the sport forever and, and is a, a heck of a crew chief. Uh, you know, Thomas, he's an, he's got an engineering degree and he grew up, uh, racing, you know, he's, he's got that mechanical background and the engineering degree, which is very, very rare to find, uh, if you can balance both of those because they're, they're two totally different mindsets. And, uh, he was blessed with both of them. So, and then you got me, uh, I'm, 
I'm high energy. Uh, love to, you know, <laughs> drive the heck out of a race yeah. car. And, and when we're at the race shop, um, I love the machine. I love to fabricate. Uh, I can do a little bit of everything around the race shop. So between the three of us, uh, we can get a lot done in this building. You know, one of the things, uh, Daniel Wilkerson was the first guest on this show, and, and he's in the same position you are. He's going to be racing, you know, full-time with his dad for the first time in his life, and he's, you know, shared some of the same things you've talked about here. Um, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm kind of interested in as well when we talk about, you know, this this transition, and the same thing goes for Daniel. You did a lot of stuff with your previous sponsors. You did your, you know, you went and visited the plant and did all that kind of thing. That goes up like 10 times now, right? I mean, visibility-wise, you're going to be in front of a lot of people. I think the, the commitments of, of doing the sponsor obligations and doing that type of stuff is going to crank way up just like it has for Daniel. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, like uh, Montana Brand, you know, it was more of a, you know, Frank Teague's just enjoyed the sport yes. and uh, it's something that he wanted to do where this is more of a corporate contract. So uh, I think, yeah, it'll, you know, I always did my best to, uh, yes. you know, represent my sponsors as, as well as I could. But, yeah, I think this might uh, weigh on it a little bit more. But I'm up for the challenge. You know, I love being a race car driver, and I love everything that comes with it, whether it's, you know, doing appearances, taking care of the sponsors, taking care of the fans. I, I eat all that up, you know. Um, it's part of my job, and I love my job. So um, it won't be no sweat to me. I, it's not going to get in the way of uh, any way I drive the race car or anything like that. I'm just up for the challenge. Who do you think and, and who have you maybe even started picking their brain a little bit on, you know, some of the, you know, whatever first day stuff. Now you have been in a funny car before. Obviously you have a license, you've done this, but in terms of the guys who do it week in and week out, outside of Robert, who are the people that uh, you kind of maintain contact with in the class that you may, you know, just kind of pick their brain a little bit here in the early stages? Uh, to be honest, not really anybody. Um, you know, I, I'm uh, pretty reserved when it comes to, uh, you know, talking about competition with my competition i would sure. say um you know in top fuel i would bounce things off langdon and and things like that but you know i just i'm best when i just go drive the race car don't overthink it too much just just let your instincts do the job and and that's when i uh seem to perform the best especially under pressure so uh i'm just going to strap in the car and uh you know the biggest thing for me is just proving to myself that i can do it you know um i believe in myself i believe i can do it and uh you know when we go up there and we can run a mid 80 and it's uh on a railroad track like robert Hyde could do uh, <laughs> right. then i'll be happy you know so um yeah i'm just going to keep focusing on myself we have so many talented people in this building uh that will be able to help me and and make me comfortable and uh you know get me to that goal of mine so um yeah i'm just i'm ready to uh get in a new class it's going to be pretty interesting you know racing a uh, category of people that i've never lined up against really so um yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be cool to learn all the tendencies of other drivers and, uh, you know, try to uh, come up with a game plan to uh, come out victorious. Look, I think that plays to your advantage a little bit here in the beginning. I think if anybody that follows any professional sport, especially the NFL, a lot of times a guy, will, a quarterback will come in, you know, maybe a guy who doesn't have the name recognition as the starter, but this guy comes in and, and he tears up some defenses because they don't know how to game plan for him. And for you, I think for at least the first, let's call it four to five races, that may play in your favor when people don't know what your tendencies are going to be in a funny car and they don't necessarily know what to expect up there. That kind of puts the ball in your court. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, I think so. Um, you know, but there's so many talented drivers in this category and the good ones, that don't affect them. So, uh, yeah, we'll just have to see... Uh, 
see how everything shakes out, but I'm looking forward to it. You know, uh, uh, I've dreamt of driving one of these things, like I said, and, uh, you know, the funny car category is cutthroat. You know, top fuel is as well. Uh, but I'm just really excited for a new challenge, um, something different and uh, something to keep me on my toes. And, uh, man, these things, I made the analogy last night uh, on a podcast that, um, you know, I grew up circle track racing and, and loved racing non-wing sprint cars and, and midgets. And uh, this is like that on steroids. You know, it's a real short <laughs> wheelbase with 12, 13,000 horsepower. It wants to have the front end in the air all the time. And uh, you really got to manhandle this thing down the racetrack and, uh I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to, to uh, get the feel of that. You know, you, you patented the death-defying climb-on-top-of-the-wing victory celebration. Uh, you were the only guy brave enough, I think, in the history of sport <laughs> to do that multiple times. So uh, there's going to have to be something fresh here, man. There's going to have to be something fresh. Yeah, that's been a uh, pretty common question. <laughs> I'm going to have to dream something up. Uh, the only thing I got right now is maybe try to do a front flip, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I've seen a couple guys surf the deck lid, but uh, that, that's always pretty cool. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's got to be my own. So yeah. uh, I'm sure uh, if I come out with a Wally in one of these funny cars, uh, I'm going to be uh, <laughs> another human when I get out of that race car. So, uh, yeah, we'll just see what happens, I guess. In terms of when you found this news out, you know, uh, I, I don't need the specifics, obviously, because that's internal and I, I respect that. But was this something that not necessarily came out of the blue, but how much advanced warning did you have about this conversation that ultimately put you in this race car? A hundred percent none. <laughs> it, was a, uh, it was a total shock. Um, I, couldn't, I, hadn't, I couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it. You know, it's, now that uh, it's public and, and it's, uh, you know, we've been doing a couple calls and shows, it's starting to get more real and yeah. real. Um, but yeah, I had no idea it was coming. This was the last thing I would have expected, honestly, you know, um, you never see what someone have to step away for health reasons and you never even think about that yeah. chance, you know? So yeah, it definitely caught me off guard, but, uh, man, it was one heck of a surprise, you know, one thing to drive a funny car, but to drive this funny car with my family, uh, like I said earlier, it's a dream come true. And, uh, I'll be saying that all year long. It's such a unique position, you know, when we look at the longevity of your dad's career and we look at, you know, his position in this whole thing. It's so unique in the fact that, you know, he worked on your grandfather's car as a kid and now yeah. and now he is your crew chief. I mean, I don't I don't necessarily know that this has ever been uh, anybody's kind of timeline in this sport. It's a very it's a very incredible thing. And the fact that both you and Dan Wilkerson are in the same spot, we've never had two fathers and sons dad's crew chief son's driving in the same category the same year it's it's just astonishing yeah yeah it's very wild it's it's crazy how uh, everything works out um you know but it's going to be great for the fans you know yeah. uh having a family aspect a family to cheer for uh that hits home for a lot of people so i think it'll be exciting for the fans maybe give them another reason to maybe come out to the races uh come cheer us on so i'm looking forward to it um, I'm even going to, my grandfather's, uh, license number was 374, which I had on my top fuel dragster, uh, my rookie year. And, uh, we're going to have that sporting on the funny car again this year in the same font that he had back on his custom body car. So that is freaking have a cool. Retro theme to it. And, uh, yeah, it really, it, it really hits our heart pretty good. Uh, my grandpa, he's, he's so excited to have me in a funny car and, uh, hopefully we can do the whole family proud. So I had, I heard a rumor and you can verify it or not that, 
you know, when it was announced or not even really announced, but when it was understood that uh, Rocky Mountain Twist and Montana Brands was going to end their association in, in drag racing, um, and before you had this conversation, that you had kind of a backup plan of of maybe driving a truck for somebody out here. Is that fact? Uh, no, I don't have okay. my CDL. <laughs> okay, so there you go. That makes sense then. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, if I wouldn't have been racing, I would have been. Just like 2021, I would have been back on one of these cars okay. in this building and, uh, you know, doing my best to uh, support the team and, and uh, do a fine job as a crew guy. So, um, you know, obviously that stuff happens sometimes, but uh, I'm glad this all worked out and uh, got me back in the race car seat. No, it's a great thing, man. It's a great thing, and it's uh, it's another storyline. We look at this off season with everything that's that's gone on and kind of came in two waves. We had everything that happened before Christmas and right around that PRI window, and we had a little lull, and and now we have this big one now. And um, for you guys, I'm guessing you know the testing is going to start in early February. What's the schedule? Uh, yeah, we're we're gonna uh, we'll head down to Bradenton and do the yep. two days before the show. Um, so I'll have two days to, uh, try and figure this all out and try and go in 250 grand, uh, in this Cornwell tools, uh, Camaro. So, um, hopefully I'm a quick learner. Uh, I have been in the past, it seems like, and, uh, hopefully, uh, I can do that again this year. Have you put any sort of a timeline on? I, I talked to Dan Wilkerson about this, you know, is it, is it something, and, and obviously you want to be 100% game ready rolling into Gainesville. I get that. And even before that, obviously for the big cash available at Bradenton, um, but in a realistic sense, in the back of your mind, is there something that says eight runs I should be comfortable, ten runs I should be comfortable? What's is there a number for you, or is this something that's just going to click when it clicks? Um, I think that you know, it, I'm not too worried about making a clean run. Um, yeah. You know, I've I've drove these race cars before, and I haven't made many laps in them. But uh, over the you know, I ran in 2018. Um, you know, and got licensed. And then in 2021, when we went down to the Stampede of Speed in Dallas, force threw me in for two runs on Wednesday. Okay. Hadn't drove one in three years. Uh, blew the tires off the hit at the at the step, the first run, kept the panels in it. Uh, that's always a good feeling as a driver. <laughs> right. Uh, the second run, it went 93. Um, and it was for, it was right dead straight. Um, all the way to about 800 foot, made a little bit of a move inside, ran 93. That was my career best. Um, so I think if I get some back-to-back -back runs, I'll be honed in pretty good on keeping it in the groove. But I've also never gone 83. Um, you know, a 93, I would compare, you know, you would say that's like a 73 in a dragster, yeah. which is a pretty, uh, pretty comfortable run for me. But when it goes 63, you know, it ain't even the same race <laughs> car. So I'm going to have to see how uh, running a mid-80 or uh, high-80 feels. Um, but I think I'll be all right. But the, the competition side of things, you know, when it shakes, when it throws up, being able to, these things are rowdy, you know, when, when they, especially a car like this, that is on kill all the time, when it spins the tires, it just rips them off. It don't give you much warning. And Robert was outstanding at catching that thing and keeping it straight. Um, so he could get in the gas really quick. So, uh, I'm going to have to learn that aspect of things, but that'll come with time. But, uh, you know, like you said, we're competitors and we want to roll out of the box and, uh, you know, be competitive and be capable of winning races. What was the first thing Thomas said when you talked to him? Uh, you know, the, at first it, we were just in shock really. <laughs> uh, you know, it, with everything that went on, you know, there's, like I said, there was a lot, it was bittersweet. There was some, there was some sadness, um, you yeah. know, you know, with Robert and then 
you know, it was hard to be excited at that time. Sure. Um, but, you know, the the more days we're working in here, we're getting excited. And, um, you know, it's been pretty well business, business as usual. You know, we're just yeah. heads down, getting everything dialed in. Like I said, we got a lot of work to do uh, to uh, be prepared, you know, when we go there, whether it's, you know, making me comfortable having options. Because, you know, when we head south, you're not going to have your, your fabrication shop or machine yeah. shop to build anything. So, we got to go down there, have options, have a game plan, and uh, be prepared for anything that is thrown at us. And uh, we're getting all that in order. Have you talked to or heard from a text or whatever from your uncle Jeff? And I think a lot of drag racing fans don't necessarily know your uncle, who is a, a genius level guy like your dad. Uh, he's, yeah. You know his his path has been more like the applied nitro systems business. Like he does so much work on door slammers and cars like that he's not necessarily doesn't necessarily have the name recognition as your dad but certainly the same brains have you heard from jeff at all oh yeah yeah he's stoked when he found out man he was he's high energy like me yes he is (laughs) he he really likes to gas me up you know he likes (laughs) he likes to get me going and uh he sent me a nice message and uh you know said just go get it you know this is an opportunity of lifetime and uh show him what us props are made of so uh hopefully we can do that I think we'll end it on that note, man. It's uh, it's great to catch up with you. I think for for all the reasons to be excited for the Mission Foods Drag Racing Series kickoff in 2024, you have uh, gained a, a spot pretty close to the top of the list. I I think, again, going back to the beginning of this conversation, it's one thing for somebody to get into a funny car, and it's cool to watch that happen. But when we see a guy who's a race winner in Top Fuel getting into statistically the best car that has existed over the last several years, um, it's a, I know it's a big deal for me as a guy who, you know, follows this professionally as a living, but I, I can't even imagine it's off the charts for you. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it's an opportunity of a lifetime and, uh, I'm up for the challenge. I'm just, uh, really blessed to be in this position, you know, racing at John Forrest racing, John, Robert, all of our partners for, uh, believing in me, you know, because, um, you got to get this okay through everyone yeah. for something like this to happen. And, uh, I'm glad, uh, you know, they believe in me and I was their pick. So, I'm really excited to race with Cornwell Tools. They've been a, a great partner of ours. Uh, they came on board when I started in 19, I believe, and uh, we've had a great relationship since. So I'm excited to race with them uh, to drive the AAA car. I mean, I've, I've cheered that car on my whole life. Yeah. Uh, you know, pretty much since my dad was at John Force Racing, it's been a AAA car other than a few years. So uh, to be able to sit in that car and um, – and, uh, you know, be the one behind the wheel instead of cheering it on is going to be really special. And uh, I'm just excited, and I hope we can uh, do a great job and uh, win some wallies for all our great partners. He's Austin Brock, and I'll be right back with some final thoughts here in this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. Don't go anywhere. And back here with some final thoughts in this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. I am not sure we have had this much direct infusion of energy into the Nitro Funny Car category with personality types in a very, very long time. Buddy Hull, that's a big energy guy. He's obviously in Jim Dunn's car. Dan Wilkerson, you heard the guy. He could feel it through the phone uh, when we were just talking to him a little while ago on this show. Big energy guy. Austin Prock, obviously well-known big energy guy, and they're all coming into this category. Would I have loved it to be an additional funny car for Austin Proc to climb into or for Dan Wilkinson to climb into? Absolutely. But as they always say in drag racing, beggars can't be choosers. And I will take the big personalities and I will take the younger personalities in those cars. And Robert Hyde is coming back. His career is not over. He has said it. He will be back in the race car uh, for the 2025 season. But this is a, and he said it multiple times, 
golden opportunity for Austin Proc to do something very, very special with his family, with his career, and with a race car that is unassailably one of the best, if not the single best car statistically in the class. No, it didn't win championships the last couple seasons, but it was in the hunt. It was winning races, setting low ET, setting big speed, qualifying number one. This thing is a turnkey 100% missile, and he will be in it in just a couple of weeks. Great episode, in my opinion. Two great guys, two compelling conversations. We'll be back with more next week on the NHRA Insider Podcast, and there's more big news coming out of the Pro Stock Motorcycle category. We'll try to time our show to that degree. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks for being a part of the NHRA Insider. Make sure you go to NHRA.com to grab your tickets today. You can see Austin Proc racing all season long. Dan Wilkerson doing the same thing. 2024 in the Mission Foods Drag Racing Series is going to be bananas, and you should be there to watch it. Or you should be watching on Fox or FS1, but we'd love to have you at the races as well. I'm Brian Loans. As always, thank you for listening, watching, and being a part of the NHRA Insider.